morning today. Yeah. Good morning, New Covenant Ministries, YouTube. Um, welcome to our service. We just say that we love you today. And uh, yeah, bless you. So Father, in the name of Jesus, we just thank you for today. Thank you, Lord, that uh, the hearts that are hearing today, Lord, I pray that you'd soften them to hear your word, Lord, and to be a doer of it. Just not a hearer only, Lord, but a doer. And I thank you, Lord, that you love them. And you bless them today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let me get some notes together here. So praise the Lord, everybody. The sun is shining. The Harley runs good. Everything is good. God is good all the time. And all the time, God is good. So yeah, I want to speak to you about something today that uh, I've been um, I've been pursuing over 25 years that I've been a Christian. Uh, it's something that I've been passionate about, and it's just it's dear to me. It's it, what I'm going to talk to you about. It's not a new new revelation, but it's a revelation that God has given me, and I continually. Um, continually try to walk in it every day of my life, every moment of my life, every minute of my life, whoever I run into, wherever I speak, I try to, I try to just do this, do this commandment that he's given me. And um, if I would say that I have a revelation of, of it, it'd be like a grain of sand in, in, in the number of sands that there is on the seashore. That's, that's just a little speck. And uh, it's incomprehensible, it's immeasurable, but yet when you yield to it, our thoughts, our feelings, and our actions uh, desire something that fulfills every part of us. And uh, with only one word to tell or pronounce, or as Lisa is signing to, to, uh, to Daryl, it's one word, and that's God. And 1 John 4, 8 says God is love, and that's what I want to preach on today. That's what I want to speak on today. It's something that he uh, impressed on my heart as, as a new Christian. And I remember hearing... Um, I remember hearing messages all the time about faith and stuff like that, but I never heard a message on love when I first got saved. And uh, people would ask me, James, what's your favorite scripture in the Bible? And I would say Matthew 22, 37, 39. And uh, they would say, well, what's that say? And, and I'd say, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and love your neighbors, you love yourself. Oh, yeah, I know that one. Yeah. But, you know, sometimes we say we know it, but do we really, do we really know it? Do we really comprehend it? And um, so, yeah, what I want to uh, open up to is John chapter 3. Yeah. Um, starting in verse 16. If you have your Bibles, your iPads, your phones, open them up. I like, I like having a Bible in front of me. I like having paper in front of me. I like having a wide margin Bible, something that I can write in, something I can highlight in. Um, you know, when God shows you something or God speaks to you, you, you can write it down. And so anyways, for God so loved the world that he, what, gave his only begotten son, his only. Just stop right there. God is never trying to take something from you. He's always trying to get something to you. And God is a giver. And if God gave his best, I made it a point to give my best in everything that I do. Do I fall sometimes? Yes, I do. But I get back up. It's just, just like a child. When a father's t teaching a child how to walk, you know, you got them by the little arms, the little, little hands, and they walk, and they fall down. What, what happens when they, when they fall down? You just, you're a good father. You're a loving father. You help that child get back up and walk. So, yeah, God is love, and uh, whatever he does is through love. So, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever should believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent his son into the world not to condemn the world, but the world might be saved through him. See, even before I was a Christian, uh, God put that attribute in me, and he put that attribute in us. He, he, put a, he put love inside of us. And how I can prove that is because the Bible says in Genesis, he says, you're made in the image and likeness of God. You, you, you are made in the image and the likeness of God. And what did I say? God is love, right? And I remember as a child, I was probably uh, about 14 years old, and I used to live in Wallace Heights. My dad was in the military. And we used to live in this row house, and these uh, these kids, they'd probably be around like between twelve and fourteen years, or twelve and ten and twelve. And I was fourteen, and uh, they would always come knocking on my door and uh, say, you know, James, can you 
they used to call me Jim. But anyway, so they said, Jim, can you just, can you come play with us? Can you come play hockey with us? Can you play bas- baseball with us, basketball, whatever? And I would make it a point where I would say, yes, okay. Even though I was busy doing something, I would make it a point to go out and play with them. And, uh, you know, just be a goalie or something like that so they can slap shot me and hit me and whatever, you know. <laughs> but anyway, so anyways, these, these kids were always knocking on my door. And I, I remember that, that year, um, I got a job, my first summer job. And I made it a point in my heart. And like, like I said, I wasn't a Christian at the time. But I, like I said, he put that attribute in us and he put that attribute in me is to love. And to love is always to give. So anyways, I, I said, oh, you know what, I'm going to save this money and I'm going to buy these kids. And there's probably, I don't know, maybe, maybe uh, seven or eight of them. Um, and I made it a point to buy the, all these kids Christmas presents. So I went up to the mall that year and I, and I, and I, and I, and I, and I kind of knew what they liked because, you know, being around them, you just, one likes this and one likes that. So, you know, I made it a, a point to give them their desires. So anyways, I had all this money saved up, and I just went and blew it all on them. And so anyways, I told their parents, I said, you know, I got some Christmas presents for them. And they, they told their kids, and they were just super excited, you know, not over the, the presents that their parents were going to give them, but what, their kid, what, what James was going to give them. So anyways, so anyways, I remember that, that, that morning, Christmas morning, um, I got up, and I knocked on each one of their doors, and I gave them presents. And uh, watched each one of them uh, just open their presents. And I tell you, it was... It was the first time that I ever felt uh, joy like that. First time. And even when Jesus hung on the cross, God said his, uh, the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. You know, and, and there's joy in giving. And I've always pursued that uh, to just outgive God. You know, and I, I, don't, I don't give... Um, I always listen to the Holy Spirit when I, when I give, because like I said before in my previous messages, um, whether you're a Christian or not, if you give, you're being moved by the Lord, because Satan came to steal, kill, and destroy, but Jesus came to give you life and have it in abundance. He always came to give. So whether you're a Christian or not, when you give, you're being moved by the Lord, and I always, I'm always thankful when people uh, have blessed me with something, or you know, when I'm moved upon my heart to give something to somebody, I, I bless them, and, I, and I'm thankful for that. So yeah, it was uh, like the first time I ever felt the joy of giving, and uh, it's because the love of God constrained me. Second uh, Corinthians, let's turn to Second Corinthians five. Second Corinthians five. I'm going to read this in the King James first, and then I'm going to read it in the Passion translation. And uh, so it says, "For the love of Christ constrains us, because we thus judge that one died for all." Then all were dead, that, that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto them which died for them, he rose again. Reading the Passion Translation, I'm going to take a drink. So I'm going to read it off the screen. So it is for Christ's love that fuels our passion and motivates us because we are absolutely convinced that he has given his life for all of us. This means all die with him so that, so that those who should live no longer self-absorbed lives, but lives that are poured out for him. The one who died for us and now lives again. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He died for you. He gave his, God gave his only best for you to show you what, that he loves you. And he has a plan and purpose for you. And I always believed, like even at that time in my life when I was 14, 15, I always, I, I always believed in God. Even when I was a ch- child, I, I, always, I always said to somebody, if somebody asked me, do you believe in God? I said, yeah, I believe in God. But I never knew nothing about him. I had no knowledge of him, uh, why, he, why he exists, or, you know, or even why I exist. You know, but I never doubted that there was a God. And, uh, but even, even when I went to, I started going to, ch- to an Anglican church there uh, when I was a teenager. And um, these, these parents that, uh, of my friend that invited me to church, I always had respect for my elders. So I always said, you know, listen, I'm going to go to church with you. And, and so anyways, I started hanging out with their parents instead of hanging out with him. 
And so, so anyways, his parents invited me to church, and I started going to church, and I started learning about God and stuff, but they never really, um, they really never really, I can remember this, they, they never really taught me I can have a relationship with Jesus Christ, and that I can hear his voice, and that I can have a, a fellowship with him. But it wasn't until probably I was around uh, 19 or 20, um, when I was just in my last year of high school, uh, I was kind of late getting out because I, I uh, dropped out and quit a few times. And anyways, I wasn't the, the best person. But, but anyways, I finished high school, got my grade 12, and that was good. But uh, two people that changed my life. Uh, number one, um, number one, Matthew 23, 11 uh, and 12 says, uh, But he that is greatest among you shall be your servant. But he who exalts himself shall be abased. But he that humbles himself shall be exalted. Turn to Matthew chapter 20. Matthew chapter 20. It's good to put the, um, the word of God in your eyes and your ears. Matthew chapter 20. So yeah, two people that, that changed my life. And so here, verse 26 of chapter 20. He says, and it, it, but it shall not be so among you, but who, and this is Jesus speaking, but whosoever will be great among you, let him be your minister. But whosoever should be the chief among you, let him be your servant. Even as the Son of Man came not to what? Be ministered unto, but to minister and serve to what? Give his, his life for a ransom for many. The two people that changed my, my life at that moment was, number one, a Jonathan Watts. This man, a uh, very smart man, intelligent man. Now he's a doctor today, and he's got a beautiful family. But he took the time to, you know, uh, to really ex- express to me um, what it was to be a, like a, a believer and a Christian. Uh, and I don't remember him teaching me a lot of things about God, but I, re- I just remember him showing me. And um, so, yeah, he showed me the love of God. And so the other person was Pastor Paul Wilson. You know, I remember he came to ICF, and like I spoke to you before, came to our school, and uh, I remember going up to him, and I said, you know, listen, if I give him a hug and he hugs me back, I'll know he's real. And he did. And, you know, I gave my number, and he called me, and, you know, it just went from there. But uh, so Matthew chapter 20, um, like I said, you know, Jesus said, even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to what? Give his life for a ransom for many. You know, um, Pastor Paul and Jonathan Watts truly showed me what it was to be a servant of the Lord. And they showed me the love of Christ. And, you know, they really, what they did was Luke chapter 15, they left the 99 to find the one. And I consider myself the one. And I'm just humbled by that because God, God cares about the one. And uh, like I said, you know, if you ever see someone in the back of the church, you know what I mean? They're, they're sitting there because they're the one. And you and go up and love them and go up and talk to them. And uh, you don't know what people are going through. You don't know what people are facing. So that's why he said, you know, be loved to people. So, yeah, they truly showed me what a servant was, was about. And, uh, you know, I, I wrote this down in my margin. The one who serves from the heart stems from a surrendered life to Christ out of humility. It was because of their humility that I came to know Jesus, that I came to, t- came to know the Savior of the world and to know love in its, in its purest form. And uh, the love of God will always cause you to look past the sins and faults of others and bear them gently. You know, the Bible says in, in uh, Matthew chapter 9, uh, Jesus said when he was seen the multitude, he was moved with compassion. And that word compassion, like I said, it, it means to look past the sins and faults of others, and it, it bears them gently. And I remember back in the day uh, when, when we used to go to Pastor Paul's house, um, you know, this is like, Early, early on, this is before the Terrio boys that Pastor Paul talks about. This is like the, the, this is the, this is the people that, you know, there's only a few of us. And I don't know if we were, I don't know if we spent the night at Pastor Paul's house, but I, I, all I remember, it was, it was early Saturday morning. And there was, there was either three things we were, we were doing at Pastor Paul's house or watching on TV. And number one, it would be like, what are we going to do today, brain? <laughs> What are we going to do today, Brain? Take over the world. Take over the world. <laughs> See, we, we watch Pink in the Brain, or we, or we watch, um, 
we watch wrestling. We watch wrestling. Pastor Paul would either tape the wrestling on TV or he'd go down to the video store and, and you know, rent, rent wrestling videos and we'd watch wrestling. But all I remember, all I remember, and all I remember, it was just fun. It was fun. And uh, don't ever lose that fun of serving God. You know, I tell my niece and nephew, I said, uncle's number one rule in his house is to have fun. But, you know, uh, serving God is fun. And the, the most um, important thing that I want to speak out that Pastor Paul used to invest into us is that we used to go to his house and we used to watch Jesse Duplantis. And Jesse Duplantis and Mary Hart does Good Luck in Medicine, Volume 1, 2, 3, 4, and I don't know if there's a 5 and 6, but I, I, I made sure, um, I, you know, it just changed my heart. And uh, so anyways, so this is, this is me as a Christian. I've um, got a couple rough edges around me, and I used to go out. I went out on a step, and here I was sitting out on a step, and I, I still smoked at the time, and I took my cigarettes out, and I lit up my smoke, and I was, I was smoking. And I remember Pastor Paul came out. See, this is where the love of God looks past the sins and faults of others and bears them gently. He came out. He said, listen, he said, he said, I don't mind you smoking. He said, but if you do, can you just go around the corner? Just don't do it around the youth. And so I said, I said, oh, yeah, no, no problem. Like, I didn't get offended. I didn't even know what offense meant. You know what I mean? But I didn't, but I, I didn't think nothing of it. I, and I said, okay, yeah, I'll go around the corner. You know what I mean? And I remember, I remember smoking, and I remember the messages that Pastor Paul used to preach back in the day, and he used to preach WWJD. W, yeah, WWJD. And, and so anyways, I remember, I remember listening to that, and it just came to my heart, and, and I knew it was God. He says, what would Jesus do? And I was just smoking, and I was thinking, what would Jesus do? I couldn't see the life of me, Jesus smoking, you know. But, you know, after that, I had, no, I had no desire to smoke. I had no desire to do those things. But my heart changed. My heart softened. But, you know, where my heart really started changing is when I started reading my Bible. You know, I remember, uh, I remember it was in youth group, and Pastor Paul said, can I see your Bible? And I used to have this good news Bible, and I slid it across the ground. And, you know, like I didn't, I didn't know any better, but... It's kind of like I didn't have no respect for it, you know what I mean? Like, but when, when my heart started changing, when I started reading my Bible, I remember going into Pastor Paul's office after that. Uh, you know, it was on a Wednesday night. We had youth on Wednesday, or, no youth on Thursdays, and so he took me in his office. And I was like, "Oh my gosh, taking his office, I must be in trouble." So, anyways, I sat down. And he said, uh, "He said I want to give you something." And I was like, "Okay." So he came up with this Bible, and I opened it up, and it was a Word Study Bible. And uh, he said, I want you to open up the front. So I opened up the front, and it said, to Jim Can. And uh, it's, he wrote the date in it, and it said, Matthew 633. I'm like, Matthew 633? I was like, what is that? <laughs> anyways, I didn't know what Matthew 633 said <laughs> until Pastor Paul explained it to me. He said, no, it's Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. And so anyways, I opened it up, and it's Matthew 6, 33, and it said, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. And I was like, kingdom of God? I was like, and it's, so anyways, I started reading my Bible in Matthew, because that's where he told me to, to read. So I was like, man, I was reading about the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. I was like, what is the king? What, what is he talking about? What is Jesus talking about? So the kingdom of heaven is a place, but the kingdom of God is a way of doing things. And so, so anyways, that was my first scripture that really, like, you know, came out inside of me that I, if somebody wrote that in my Bible, then I have to really, like, look at it all the time. So that's what I did. I said, okay, I'm going to seek first the kingdom of God and his way of doing, his righteousness, his way of doing things. And I didn't know what it meant until I read it in the Greek and, you know, started writing my Bible, what it really meant. But, um, but really what really opened my eyes, it's like, you ever read your Bible and sometimes a scripture just it blows up in you, and you're like, oh my gosh, I've never seen that before, even though I've read it a million times. I got to Matthew chapter 22. I'll turn to Matthew chapter 22. And this, is, this, is, this just totally wrecked me. It totally changed me. And it says, verse 34, he says, but when the Pharisees heard that he had, he had put the Sadducees to silence, make a note right there, the way you love will always silence the naysayers. A naysayer is one who uh, habitually expresses negative or pessimistic views. 
So the love of God will always silence the naysayers. I remember giving this, some flowers to these ladies one time, and uh, I was just sitting there listening to them, and then all of a sudden something negative was coming up, and I, and I, and I just got under my seat, and I didn't say anything. I just got on my seat, and I went over, and I smelt the flowers. I said, sometimes you just got to smell the flowers. And that changed the mood. They're like, yeah, yeah, you're right. You know what I mean? <laughs> so anyways, the negative just stopped right there. So when you walk in love, it, it, will, just, it will silence the naysayers. It will, it will silence the negativity and the pessimistic views. Even this one other time, this, this lady goes, James, do you, do, you ever, ever, do you ever get angry? And, uh, and I, but as soon as she said that, this came out. I said, no, I, I am love. I speak love. I show love. And she just went, wow. You know? But the thing is, like, when you put the word in you, it's going to come out of you. When you put love in, what's going to come out? Love. You know, I don't ever call myself Brother Love, but my, like my wife told me today, she's Brother Love is preaching. But anyways, uh, so at that time, so let's keep on reading. So it says that one of them was a, a lawyer, uh, asked him a question, tempting him, saying, Master, which is the great commandment in the law? And Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And he said, This is the first and great commandment. And second is like unto it. You shall love your neighbor as you love yourself. And he said, On these two things, two commandments, hangs all the law of the prophets. At that time, I was, I was praying. Uh, when I first got saved, uh, when I read this, I was like, Lord, I just want a passion for you. And I want a compassion for people. And that's what I kept on praying. And you know, whenever you start praying about something, God will always open a, a, an opportunity for you to, to uh, express what you confess and believe. He'll always open an opportunity. So anyways, I remember being on the bus one time on Spring Garden Road. I, I was coming home from a friend's house, and I was on Spring Garden Road. And I got on the one Spring Garden, going down the Barrington Street, and this, this, this guy gets on the bus. He had like, ripped jeans and no shirt, and he had scraggly hair and stuff like that. And he got on the bus, and I was sitting in the back of the bus, and he got in the middle. And you ever get that, that moment where you're like, oh, my heart's beating. My heart's beating. God's speaking to me. i got to do something. Well, I knew that he was speaking to me. But I was like, what, what do you want me to do, Lord? What do you, what do you want me to, to do? And, he, and I, all I heard was, was give me your shirt. So I went up to him. This, so don't get me wrong, this is the first time I've ever expressed my Christianity, ever witnessed to somebody, ever, ever went up and, you know, talked to anybody about God. I was new to this. So anyways, I get out of, the, um, get out of my seat, and my legs are shaking, and I was nervous. And I, and I just go up to him, and I look at him, and I said, uh, hi, my, hi, my name is James. I said, um, how are you? And he said, good, my name is Rob. And I said... I said, Rob, uh, can I give you my shirt? And he just looked at me dumbfounded. He's like, okay, sh- yeah. So anyways, I take, my, I take my, uh, my jacket off and, you know, take my sweater off, and then I take my shirt off. And I remember seeing in the corner of my eye these people. There's probably about five or six people on the bus. And I see these people like wide-eyed, like, what is this man doing? So anyways, I just, all I said to him, I said, hey, Rob, I just want to tell you that I, that I love you and that God loves you and he has a plan and purpose for your life. And I just, I want you to know you just, all you have to do is just give him your heart. See, God is only looking for your only. And the only thing he's looking for is the only one you got. And that's your heart. He's always looking for your heart, right? So anyways, uh, sure enough, we get on the bus, we get over the Dartmouth Tournament. He was going one way, he was going the other way. But when we were on the bus, I said, uh, we were just talking about things and stuff like that. And he says, you know, I'm trying to clean my life up. I'm going to go down to Nova Scotia Hospital and uh, try to check myself in. He says, the place I'm at and the place the people I'm hanging around with are just not a good scene. And then he lifted up his arms like this. And you can just see the big welt marks from banging needles and heroin and stuff like that. He says, I'm just trying to clean myself up. I don't know what to do. So this is what I'm doing. So we got over to the bus terminal in, uh, in Dartmouth, and uh, he was going one way, I was going the other. And anyways, I heard the Lord say, give him all your money. And back then, we didn't have a debit card. We all just carried cash. And all I had was $5 to my name. That's all I had. 
And so anyways, I gave him the $5, and, and he said, oh, thank you. He said, maybe I can buy some soap, and maybe I can clean myself up or something like that. And then, so anyways, that, that was fine. He went his way, and I went mine. And so anyways, a couple of years later, I was down on Spring Garden Road again. I was walking along, and, and this guy was asking for change. And uh, so anyways, I, I gave him some money out of my pocket. And usually when I give money to somebody you know, on the street or something like that, I'll say, that, you know, Lord bless you, and you know, maybe talk to him about the, the Lord or the gospel. But this time I said, you know, I just want to tell you that God loves you and he has a plan for your purpose for your life. And, and anyways, man, it just blew me right out of the water. He started talking to me about the Lord. And he started talking to me. He said, man, I just got out of jail. He said, I, I gave my heart to the Lord in jail and I've been learning about the Holy Spirit. And he just started preaching the gospel to me. And we just had a great time. And then, you know, after that, I just, I went my way and he went his others. And I, and I, I never forget a face. And I said, Lord, what do I know that guy? And the Lord just said, that's the guy you ministered to on the bus. And I was like, wow, you know, and the thing is like, never underestimate what God's going to do in your life. You know, we, we just plant the seed, you know, the Bible says that with the first comes the blade, then the ear, then the full corn in the ear. God, God just requires us to sow, sow words of encouragement, sow words of love, like exhortation, because he's not willing that any man should perish. He, he gave his only begotten son that we can, what, believe in him so we can have eternal life, you know? So, Yeah. So another time uh, when God was telling me to give my only, I remember uh, a couple years back, probably about 10 years ago, I started collecting uh, these, these fishing reels, fly reels. And I had this collection and stuff like that. And I remember one, some of the best fly reels were made by uh, Hardy and, and J.W. Young. So anyways, I had a few J.W. Youngs, and I had this old Hardy reel that I bought from a guy that was all beat up and stuff. It was called the Hardy St. John. And I just liked it because it was, it was noisy when you clicked it. And uh, it, was, it was called the St. John, you know? It was called the John, the, the one who Jesus loved. So anyways, I, I just really enjoyed that. But I said, I, I just put God out there, and I said, God, I want to believe you for the best. And so anyways, I made it, made it uh, a prayer, and I said, Lord, I'm going to believe you for a brand new hearty St. John reel in the box, never been fished. And so anyways, this was a, a reel that, you know, I looked on Kijiji, looked on eBay, there was none of them. There's, it was just literally impossible to get. And so anyways, sure enough, a couple months later, I was looking on Kijiji and this popped up. It said, brand new, Hardy St. John reel, never been fished, and J.W. Young Bodex reel, never been fished, in mint condition in the box. I'm like, oh my gosh. Here was God used, you know, like God was bringing this to pass. So I messaged the guy, met up with him. And uh, he said, well, he said, this is what I want from him. I said, yeah. I said, but I don't have the money right now. I have it in a couple of days. He goes, well, he goes, man, I don't know. He says, I have so many people that want to buy it that are hounding me. But he said, I just, for some reason, I just believe it has to go to you. He goes, my uncle left me in, these, in his will. And these were like back in the 1960s that these reels that this is how old they were. And uh, he said, I just feel that they have to go to you. So I was like, okay. So anyways, he made it a point that he said, okay, just, you know, when you get the money, just call me and I'll, I'll, we'll make that transaction. So I did. So anyways, I had this reel. And I remember this preacher came to, uh, and it was my most prized possession. And it was just like in the middle of my collection, right? You know? And so anyways, I had this reel, and I remember this, this preacher came to New Covenant Ministries, and he was preaching on a Saturday night, and I was sitting down right where Pastor Paul was sitting on the front row. And the Lord just said, I want you to give me your St. John reel. And I said, okay, Lord, sure, I'll do that. So anyways, Sunday morning came up. I went up to upstairs where Pastor, where Pastor was at and where the, the minister would go into his office. And I just shook his hand, and I said, I just want to bless you. I love you. And that was it. So I gave him this reel. A couple of years later, I, I contacted him. I said, do you remember me? I said, I was the one that gave you that, that Harry St. John. He said, yes, I remember you. He goes, that's, he goes, in my office, he goes, that's my most prized possession. He goes, sometimes I just remind myself of how good God is and that he loves me. And I'll take it down and I'll open it up and I'll click it around and stuff like that, right? You know what I mean? And I just told him the story. I told him the testimony about, about it. And, uh, but where it all started, whereas, uh, when I first got saved, uh, my first job, when I, when, I, when I got my first job, my first paycheck, I went down the National Exchange pawnbrokers and I blew all my money on a gold chain. <laughs> I, I blew all my money on a gold chain. 
It was my it was my most valuable thing I ever had. Yeah, next to my 19-inch television that weighed 75 pounds, and and my uh, hi-fi VCR that I believe God for that I can watch some teaching tapes or whatever from the lending library at the time. But anyways, so I blew my first check, my first paycheck on on this gold chain, and I saved up some money and I had this gold uh, eagle pendant, and I really just loved it. Like I said, I have nothing of value except for those three things. And I remember just, I remember sitting on my bed one day and, and God said, uh, he said, I want you to give your gold chain to so-and-so. And this is when I first got saved. This is when I was young in the Lord. And I said, okay, God, never thought nothing of it. I said, yes, Lord, I will. And I, was, I went back to read my Bible. And then uh, he said, no, I don't want you to give it to him. I was like, okay, no, all right, Lord, I, that's fine went back to read my Bible, and I heard the Lord say it again. Okay, now I want you to give it to him. And I was like, okay, you know, I said, yes, Lord. So there used to be this lady named Heidi that used to pick me up for church. And Heidi, if you're watching, I still pray for your father. His name is Wolfgang, and I still pray for his salvation. And I pray that the love of God would just constrain his heart, that, that it would be shed abroad in his heart, and that he'd come to know Jesus. And I still pray for him. And I'm super thankful for Heidi. I didn't have my license at the time, but she used to pick me up. And I got in the car, and she didn't know anything about this. I didn't tell anybody about this. And she said, uh, she said, God spoke to me about you. I'm like, really? So, so get this. This is the first time I ever heard somebody say that God has spoken to them about me. I was like, okay, what did he say? And what I'm about to tell you, I've never told anybody else except for Joey Hooper, probably about a month ago, I, mentioned, I mentioned it to him. But I never mentioned this before to anybody, and, and I don't know why God's telling me to do this and say this, but, but he told me this. And I said, okay, what did he say? And Heidi just said, uh, he told me that you have the faith like Abraham. And I was like, okay. I was like, I didn't even know who Abraham was. Right? <laughs> I didn't even know who Abraham was. So at the time when I, when I, when I started going to church, I had this, you know, Joey and uh, Dave Shaw. Dave Shaw used to live with them. And I remember carrying this backpack, and I used to have my Bible in there, and I'd have a Strong's Concordance in there, and i have all my notebooks and stuff like that. And I used to carry this everywhere until Dave Shaw found out. And uh, so anyways, he goes, Joey, look at this kid. He's got a Strong's Concordance in his backpack. <laughs> Anyways, that was the last time I carried my Strong's Concordance in my backpack. <laughs> because, you know, I thought these were, these were the cool cats. I didn't want to be laughed at, right? So anyways, that was, that was it, you know. But, um, <laughs> but anyways, so I didn't know nothing about Abraham. So what did I do? I got up my Strong's Concordance and looked it up. I said, okay, you know, who is Abraham? So let's go to Genesis chapter 22. Genesis chapter 22. So I'm going to read a few verses here. Number one uh, in Genesis chapter 22, it, says, it came to pass after these things that what God did tempt Abraham and said unto him, Abraham. And he said, behold, here am I. He said, take thy son, thy only son, Isaac, whom you love, and get into the land of Moriah and offer him up as a burnt offering upon the mountains, which I will tell of you. Skip down to verse 7. He said, and Isaac spoke unto Abraham, his father, and said, Father, he said, here am I, my son. And he said, behold, and you said, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And I could just imagine, Isaac was probably at the age where he understood. And Isaac was, you know, he probably seen his father do this time and time again. You know that little meme with the little bear? You know what I mean? Like that little bear that goes, it's like something's awkward. And he goes, well, dad, where's the lamb for the burnt offering? Son, God will provide. I can just think of Isaac going. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, okay, God. Okay, Dad. <laughs> so anyways, uh, so Abram said, my son, God will provide him a lamb for a burnt offering. And uh, so they went both together, and he said, it came to pass, which God told Abraham. He said he built an altar there, and he laid on the wood on order and bound Isaac, his son, on the altar. And Abraham stretched forth his, his hand, and he took his knife to slay his, his son. And the angel Lord called out to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Here am I. And he said, Lay not the hand upon the lad, neither do anything to him. 
And he said unto him, For I know that you fear God, seeing that you have not withheld your only son from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, a ram caught in the thicket. And so he took that ram, he offered him up to the Lord, and Abraham called, in verse 14, Abraham called the name of the place Jehovah-Jireh. And Jehovah-Jireh means the Lord your provider. And so, anyways, as it was said to this day, in the mount of, of the Lord, it shall be seen. People will see on your life, and they'll remember the love that God has for you. And they'll see the faithfulness that God has on your life. And uh, people will remember those things. Like, people won't, um, yeah, people will remember those things, and they'll remember the, the love that you have for God, and they'll, they'll know that, hey, listen, this guy believes God, and, and everything is met in his life, all his desires are filled. There's something to be said about that. He said, and the angel of the Lord called, verse, verse 15, he said, the angel of the Lord called unto Abraham out of heaven a second time, and he said, by myself I have sworn, saith the Lord, because thou hast not, thou hast done this one thing, and withheld thy only, with, didn't held, withheld, excuse me, withhold thy only son, that in blessing I will bless thee, and multiplying I will multiply you as the stars of heaven, uh, and the sand of the seashore. It's like when, our Heather was talking about the hot tub. We're looking up at the stars, you know. So, you know, Jesus or Abraham looked at the stars and God said, I'll give you the nations as a number of stars that are in the sky. But anyways, that's just a side note. So anyways, verse 18, he said, uh, and in thy siege, all the nations of the earth be blessed because thou hast obeyed my voice. See, many want what Abraham has, but they're not willing to do what Abraham did. And all God requires, love in its purest form. If you're writing anything down, love in its purest form is just simply being obedient to God and being obedient to his word. That's it. That's what love is purest form. And even when I was believing God for my house, which seemed impossible, I was like, Lord, what are you going to do about these finances? And I remember praying over my big rock. You know, me and Heather would pray over a big rock, so this would be my big rock, and i pray pray and I put my hands on it and I believe God for the, for the, for my house. And I believe God for the finances to come in. And I remember, you know, listen, like I was preaching before, I, I hear the letter sheen come up and the sheen, um, it's first mentioned to Abraham in Genesis chapter 17, verse one. He says, and when Abraham was 99 years old, the Lord appeared unto Abraham and said, I am the almighty God walk before me and be thou perfect. That, that time where God spoke to Abraham, he said, I am El Shaddai. I am the God of more than enough. He says, I want to supply all your needs. I'm your provider. He says, I will make my covenant between me and you and multiply your seed exceedingly. And Abraham fell on his face and talked with God. He said, behold, my covenant is with you. And thou shalt be a father in many nations. Neither shall your name be called what Abraham, Abram anymore, but your name shall be called Abraham. If you are the father of many nations. He said, I will make thee exceeding and fruitful, and I will make nations come out of you, and kings shall come out of you. What did God say in, in, in the Romans 5.8? It says, God commanded his love that even while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He commanded his love toward us because he wanted us to know his son. So there was a covenant, covenant exchange that happened in 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, you know, he was made sin who knew no sin that we may be made the what? Righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You're right with him. Doesn't matter what you've done, what, you're, what you did, or what you're going to do. You are right with him. And he loves you. Romans chapter 5. Are you enjoying this today? Hallelujah. He loves you. Romans chapter 5. I've got 10 minutes left. Oh, gosh. Anyways, Romans chapter 5, <laughs> verse 5, he says, And this is hope that it makes us not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. See, the love of God is what changes our, our relationship from relationship to fellowship. He comes in your heart, and he, lives, he comes to dwell there. Love is the greatest commandment. Like I said in Matthew 22, 37 and 39, he said, if, if that was the greatest commandment, I've got to pursue it. And if we see God... As love, we'll see if we see if we truly see God as love, we will see everything He does and everything He did and everything He's about to do is for love and by love. Right? Galatians chapter 3. 
Galatians chapter 3. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Some people call it God's electric power company. I call it go eat potato chips. <laughs> Sometimes what you confess, you'll, you'll bring to your, your heart. Like Stephen caught me eating chips the other day at, at Justin's. <laughs> I was off chips for a while, but, you know, I just I came into it, and I was like, oh, those are good. Those are my favorite ruffles. Anyways, go eat potato chips. So anyways, Galatians chapter 3, verse 13, it says, For brethren, you have not been called to liberty, um, only use the liberty for an occasion of the flesh, but to what? Love and serve one another. For all the laws fulfilled in one word, that thou shalt love thy neighbor as thou love thyself. But if you bite and devour one another, he said, take heed that you be not consumed with one another. So many, I've heard it plenty of times, and I've heard it from different preachers about law and grace. And uh, I'm just, this is what I think about law and the grace message. First John, keep your, keep your hand there, your finger there in, in Galatians. Turn to First John. This is what he showed me. Because when you pray for something, you ask for something, you want God to give you a revelation of it. This is what he gave me a revelation of, about the law and the grace message. He said in, in chapter 4, verse 20 of 1 John, he said, If a man says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he that loves not, or he that loves not his brother whom he has seen, how can he say he loves God and whom he has not seen? He said, This is the commandment that you have from him, that you what? Love. Love his brother also. There's a difference between saying and doing. You know, there's a difference between saying and doing. You know, what did Jesus say about the law? What did he teach the multitudes? What did he teach his disciples? Who are his disciples? We are disciples. It says, you, you'll know your, Jesus said, you'll know you're my disciples indeed by your what? Love for one another. Matthew chapter 23, keep your finger in Galatians. Matthew chapter 23, verse 1, this is what Jesus said. He said, then he spoke this, this spoke Jesus to the multitudes and what? To his disciples, saying the scribes and the Pharisees in Moses' seat. He said, all therefore, whatsoever they bid you, observe. He said, and that you observe and do. He says, but do not do after the works, for they say and they do not. We as believers in Jesus Christ, ones who love God, Jesus said to observe those things, but don't do what they do. James 1.22, or Jamesy, if I can say it, Jamesy 1.22, says, be a doer of the word and not a hearer only, deceiving your own selves. So the thing is, in, in Galatians, where he said, he said, but if, if you bite and devour one another, he said, take heed that you be not consumed by one another. Don't be consumed by one another. He told us to what? Love one another. That's, that's it. That's, that's the law fulfilled. He said, with the flesh... He said, okay, so anyways, verse uh, 16, he said, For this I say then, he said, Walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts lust against the Spirit, the Spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary to one another. So you cannot do the things which you would. He said, But if you be led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. Verse 22, he said, But the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and long suffering and gentleness and goodness and faith and meekness and temperance. He said, Against such, there's no law. See, when you lock in love, I heard Brother Kenneth Hagin say this. Brother Kenneth Hagin said, he said, one step out of love is a step into sin. He said, as fast as you get into it, the faster you can step out of it. Right? And if you have a problem with sin, what does the Bible say? 1 John 1, 9. He says, if you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Right? And if we truly love God, we won't have a problem with his commandments. We really won't, because we won't want to do those things that are, that are, that are, you know, displeasing to him. We'll want to love, you know, Jesus said the only commandment you have to, to, to learn and to, to, to do is to love God with all your heart, soul, and mind, love your neighbors, love yourself. It's easy. And why I say it's easy, because Jesus said, come unto me, all the labor and heavy laden, for I'll give you what? Rest for your soul. He said, my burden is light. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. Right? But the thing is, Romans 6.14 says, we're not under the law, but we're under grace. Well, yes, we are. We're under grace. But grace in its purest form is living the way that he meant us to live. In him, 
by him and with him. And that's Jesus Christ. Acts 17, 28. What did did Paul, Paul say in Acts 17, 28? He said, in him we live, and in him we move, and in him we have our being. Everything we do is in him, through him, and with him. And how does faith work? Galatians 5, 6 says, faith works by what? Love. We're supposed to walk by faith and not by sight. Walk in love to one another, right? Romans chapter 13. Romans chapter 13. I'm almost done, guys. Guys, get a few more minutes. I'm hungry, too. (laughs) I know Emma's hungry. Um, Anyways, he said, Romans chapter 13, verse 8, he says, Owe no man anything but to love him. Or owe no man anything but to love one another. For he that loves one another is what fulfilled the law. He says, for this you should not commit adultery, kill, steal, bear false witness, or covet. He says, if there's any other commandments, it is briefly comprehended. He said, in this saying, namely, thou shalt love thy neighbor as they love thyself. He said, love worketh no ill towards his neighbor. But he said, what? Love is fulfilling the law. You've already fulfilled the law when you walk in love. Romans chapter 3. My belly's growling. Romans chapter 3. Let me go back. Romans chapter 3, verse 27. It says, where is boasting then? Is it excluded by what law? Of works? No, but the law of faith. He said, therefore, we conclude that if a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law, is he the God, excuse me, is he the God of the Jews? Is he not God of the Gentiles? Yes, he is the God of the Gentiles also. He's seeing, saying, seeing it is one God which shall justify the circumcision by faith and the uncircumcision by faith. Do we then make the void the law through faith? God forbid, but yet we establish it. See, you can't have grace without faith, and you can't have faith without grace. Ephesians 2.8 says, For by grace you are saved through faith. It's not of yourself, for it's a gift of God. You can't have grace without faith, and you can't have grace or can't have grace without faith, and you can't have faith without grace. They go hand in hand. So anyways, and I, and I wrote this down. I said, don't dismiss something just because it goes against your lifestyle or your way of living. And I don't mean to be hard, and I don't mean to sound that hard, but like uh, our bodies are, are not our own. Like the, Our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit, and God lives inside of us. And wherever we go, he goes. Whoever we speak to, he speaks to. Like, we are in him. Like Heather was saying today, we are one with him. And Ashton was saying that today, he just confirmed it. We are one with him. Turn to, uh, turn to uh, 1 Thessalonians. So yeah, your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. He said, if the law is holy, who are you? You are holy. Because he's written his laws upon the table, uh, tables of our heart. So 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, chapter 4, starting at verse 1, he says, Furthermore, I beseech thee, brethren, and exhort you, make that a daily practice, exhorting one another of the Lord Jesus. He says, Have you received how you ought to walk, how to please God? The only thing that pleases God is faith. And how does faith come? How does faith work? It's by love, Right? As you would to abound more and more, for you know the commandment that, that uh, we gave you by the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God, that for your sanctification, that you abstain from fornication, that every one of you should know how to possess his vessel unto a sanctification owner. What did I preach last time? You are a vessel of what? Vessel of love and a vessel of mercy. He said, not in the lust of concomitance or whatever that word says. I said, even as the Gentiles know not God. He said, no man go beyond or defraud his brother in any matter. He said, because the Lord is the avenger of all such. And we also have uh, forewarned you and testified. For God has not called us what uncleanness, but unto holiness. First Peter 1.16 says, uh, Peter says, be holy as I am holy. And all holy is, is living a life that's dedicated and devoted to God. And really, if you put it in simple manners, the living holy is just... Loving God and loving people. That's, that's just simple. The gospel should be simple. He said, And he therefore that despises not man, but God, who has given us his Holy Spirit. Why has he given us his Holy Spirit? Because he knew that 
he, he sent his Holy Spirit. When, when Jesus died on the cross and went to heaven, he sent his what? The promise of the Father, and that's his Holy Spirit, because he knew that we couldn't do it alone. And we can't do, we can't do life alone. That's what we need. People need people. We need each other. And we should never forsake the, symbols, the assembling ourselves together while we see the day approaching. Whether we're living in the last days or not, you know, we've been living in the last days for 2,000 years, as the Bible clearly explains, but you see things going on in this world that you're like, okay, you know, I have to be, I have to, I have to be in church, I have to be in the Word, I have to walk in the Spirit. You know, God wants to use you mightily in these last days. So yeah, so He's given us this Holy Spirit because He knows that we can't do it on our own. He's our comforter. He's our guide. He's the truth. He says, but as touching brotherly love, you know, you, know, um, you know that I need not to write unto you, for you yourselves are taught of God to what love one another. Galatians chapter 5 says, uh, let's go into Galatians chapter 5. To walk in love is to walk in the Spirit. Galatians chapter 5 is to walk in the Spirit. And like I said, I mentioned to you before that, you know, it's, it's the love of God that uh, that we need in our lives. And like I said, if you have a problem with it, um, just go to 1 John 1, nine. Confess it, receive forgiveness, forgive yourself, and don't condemn yourself. Yeah, don't, don't condemn yourself. Romans chapter 8, I'm almost done, I promise. Romans chapter 8, verse 1, he says, Therefore there is now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. You are in Christ. There's no condemnation. Condemnation means guilt, pronounced, unfit for use of service. Yeah, you're not guilty. He said, there is no, therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. He said, for the law of the Spirit of life of Christ Jesus made me free from the law of sin and death. He said, for what the law could not do in the flesh, though it was weak, in the flesh... God sending his only son in the, in the, in the likeness of sinful flesh, for sin, condemned sin in the flesh, said the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us, that who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. But they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the spirit do mind the things of the spirit. Like I said, if you're ever going through something and you just get off track, just get back on track. Like I said, there's, I've heard this before, there's two miles of ditch for every mile of the road. And Pastor Paul has preached to me enough, just stay in your lane, James. Just stay in your lane. Stay on the road. Don't go off in one ditch. Don't go off in the other. Just stay in the road. So, yeah, you can always tell by the amount of forgiveness one receives, by the amount of love one releases. Colossians. I'll say that again. You can tell by the amount of forgiveness one receives, by the amount of love one releases. Colossians chapter 3. God loves you, and I love you. Colossians chapter 3. We wrote this, to, or Heather, uh, Heather, I just want to say her nickname, but I don't. <laughs> but anyways, anyways, Heather said this today, well, what Pastor Garrett, no. And so anyways, Heather said this today, what Pastor Gary texted him, and you know, verse 3, or chapter 3, verse 1, it says, If you then be risen with Christ, he said, Seek those things which are from above, where Christ sits on the right hand of God. He said, Set your affection on the things above, and not the things of the earth, for you are dead, and your life is hid with Christ. In verse 12, I want to read this in the King James, and I want to read in the Passion, verse 12 to 15. He said, Put on therefore the elect of God, he said, Holy and Beloved, bowels and mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness and long-suffering. He said, forbearing one another, forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against you, even as Christ forgave you, so do you also. He said, and above all these things, put on love, which is the what? Bond of perfectness. Read that in the Passion Translation. Can we have that up in the Passion Translation? <laughs> says, you are always dearly loved by God, so robe yourself with virtues of God, since you have been divinely chosen to what? Be holy. Be merciful as you endeavor to understand others. And be compassionate, showing kindness toward all. He said, be gentle and humble, unoffendable in your patience towards 
others. He said, tolerate the weakness of those in the family of faith. He said, forgiving one another the same way you have been graciously forgiven by Jesus Christ. And if you find fault with someone, release that same gift of forgiveness to them. Isn't that good? The mark, or love is the maturity one grows in when we learn, learn to love like God. And whoever, whoever loves much has been what? Forgiven much. Yeah, we should have compassion towards not only the, the, the world, but also to the people, like he said, in a family of faith. We should have compassion and forgiving one another. Luke chapter 7, this is the last, last passage I want to go to. Luke chapter 7, verse uh, 36. And this is the story about the alabaster box. This is the story about Mary pouring the, the, uh, the ointment on Jesus' feet. And it said, whenever uh, the gospel is preached, this will be in remembrance. And this is what God showed me. So anyways, it says in verse 36, he said, one of the Pharisees desired him that he would come and eat with him. And he went to the Pharisee's house and sat down to meet and said, behold, the woman in the city, which was a sinner, which when she knew that it was Jesus in at the, that sat for meat at the Pharisee's house, uh, brought an alabaster box, box of ointment. He said, and they stood at the feet of Jesus behind him, weeping, and began to wash his feet with tear, her tears, and did wipe, um, wipe them with the hairs of her head, and kissed his feet, and anointed them with, uh, with oil, or with this ointment. There's a couple things that I want to mention to you about this ointment. This ointment, it was a, uh, it says in different parts of the, the Gospels, when it talks about the story, the, the ointment was spikenard. And it was of great value. It was like, um, I did a little study on it. It was, it, was, it was about 300 days wages. It'd be like uh, the value of like, um, if you're going to get married, uh, it'd be the value of like a Tiffany diamond, right? The best of the best. Or it'd be like the value of like a solid gold tribe of Judah ring that has diamonds in it. You know what I mean? That's, that was the value. And it was worth, it, was the, it could have been Mary's inheritance. It was worth, in that day, $12,000. And like I said, it was very fragrant. In different, tarp, in different times in the, the, other, the other Gospels where it talks about this, he says the fragrance went through the whole house. And I, I can't imagine, I, I've never smelt spike, spikes, I never smelt spikenard, but I've smelt my lilacs when they bloom in May, June, and they're very fragrant. And then after that bloom, the, the lavender kicks in and the lavender grows, and then you're supposed to cut the lavender and bring it in the house and dry it out. But when, you, when I cut the lavender and brought it in, I was, I was bundled it all up for Pixie there, and, and then she... <laughs> Anyways, I was bunning all up, and, and the, the fragrance, the fragrance went through the house. The fragrance went through the house. And um, so anyways, Heather took me up to uh, this, this lavender farm up in Shubenacone. And, you know, we get up there, and it's just beginning of the season. And nothing was growing, so you couldn't see the lavender, but you can see the, you can see the rows of it. And uh, so anyways, we went in, and I opened up the door of the barn where this, this store was, where they sell these, all these products of lavender. And so anyways, as soon as I opened the door, the, just the fragrance just went, just, wow, it was just amazing. So I can just think of the fragrance that was in that house where Jesus sat, where Mary was wiping the feet of Jesus' feet, and other parts of the, the Gospels where it talks about this, Jesus made an ex explanation where he says, you know, she does this for my burial. And I could just imagine when Jesus was hanging on the cross and he had those big nails in his hands and, his, and, his, and the nails were in his feet. And it says when, when he had to take a breath, he had to push himself up to take a breath. And I can just, I, I'm pretty 100% sure that when he took his breath and all he could smell was that spike nard. He could smell that ointment. And, and it just, I think it just reminded him of what, you know, say, hey, this is why I'm doing this. What does the Bible say? We are 
you know, he was a sweet smelling sacrifice, right? There's just something about love that has fragments as well. Um, so yeah, even, oh, sorry, even kings used it. Even kings used it. Uh, verse 38, so I'm almost done. And he stood at his feet behind him weeping and abandoned washed his feet. Oh no, so verse, verse, verse 39, he says, And now when the Pharisees which had bidden him saw it, and they spoke within themselves, this man, if he were a prophet, would have known which manner of woman this was that touches him. She is a sinner. First Samuel 16, 7 says that God looks at the what? Not at the outward appearance, but at what? The heart. Thank God he looks at her heart. It doesn't look at, you know, we just have to represent God in a, in a, in a way that is the gospel. Not of God of religion, not of, yeah, real. Just be real with people. It says, and Jesus answered and said unto Simon, he said, I have something to say to you. But he says, Master, say on. He said, there was a certain creditor which has two debts. He said, one owed 500 pence and the other 50. I did a little study on that as well. One could have been worth 10 months of wages, and the other one could have been worth up to eight years or more wages. But whether the debt, whatever price it was, God forgave us. And we should forgive and what love one another. And he said, and when they frankly, and when they had nothing to pay, he frankly forgave them both. And he said, Tell me, therefore, which one of them will love the most? And Simon answered and I suppose he whom he forgave the most. And he and Jesus said, You have rightly judged. You're right, you're rightly judged. And he turned to the woman. And he said, Simon, see this woman, I entered the house and you didn't give me any water for my feet, but she has washed his feet, washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hairs of her head. And you didn't give me a, no kiss, but this woman, since the time that I came in, cease has, not, has ceased not to kiss my feet. I made this note in my Bible, make it a point to cease not to loving God and loving people and looking past people's mistakes. Sometimes we get it wrong. That's why he says, have grace for one another. Have love for one another. Right? He says, My head with oil, uh, did you not anoint? But this woman anointed my feet with this ointment. He says, Wherefore I say unto you, her sins, or you can put in there my sins, which were many, are forgiven. For she loved much, but to whom little is forgiven, the same what loveth little. Verse 48, he said, in, he said unto her, or he says unto me, he says unto you, he says, thy sins are forgiven. He's forgiven you. Past, present, and future. And they went and sat at meat with him, and they began to say within themselves, how is this man that forgives sins also? And he said to this woman, he said, thy faith has saved thee. He said, go in peace. A restoration of love came back to her that now she lacked nothing. A restoration of love came back to her that now she lacked nothing. God loves you as much as you love Jesus. This is my last passage, and I am done. I am going to land this plane. John chapter 17. This is just before Jesus died. He said in verse 20, he says, Neither I pray for these alone, but for them that shall believe on me through their word. Sometimes people not, might not believe in the Bible. They might not believe in the words of the Bible, but they'll believe your words. I was telling this guy that wanted to get involved in tribe of Judah um, a while back. And I said, listen, I said, how I live my life and how I conduct my life is very important. And how I live around people and how, like I said, how I conduct my life, I, I literally, even in your workplace, anywhere you go, you hold someone's salvation in the palm of your hand. You hold someone's eternity in the palm of your hand. Pastor Paul, when he ministered to me, he held my salvation in the palm of his hand. And what he did and what he said, you know, how he lived was, was, was everything. And uh, so it's important how you live and how you conduct your life around others. Because, like I said, they might not believe Jesus' word, but they'll believe yours. It says, that they all may be one as thou, Father, are in me and I in them. He said, they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. He said, in the glory which you gave me, I have given them, 
that they be one, even as we are one. He said, I and them and you and me. He said, and made perfect in one, that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. Verse 26, he said, and I have declared unto you my name. I have declared unto them my name, thy name, and I will declare it. And the love which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. Like Pastor Paul was preaching Thursday, and I'm just going to declare over you that you have the ability to love like God. You have the ability to love like Jesus. You have the ability to forgive like Jesus. God loves you as much as he loves Jesus. See, there is a covenant exchange. When we see people, we should see them through the eyes of love. We should see them through the eyes of love. And treat people and be nice to them. And, and when you walk in love, you'll always win. You'll always win. You'll never fail. 1 Corinthians 13 says, 13 verse 13, it says, Now abide a faith, hope, and love. And he, what? he said, The greatest of these is love. So I declare over you today that you love God with all your heart, soul, and mind. You love your neighbors, you love yourself. And when you go, just forgive. As Christ has forgiven you. That's it. God loves you, and I love you. Bless you. We hope this message has encouraged you in your relationship with the Lord. For more information and ministry resources, we invite you to visit our website at www.newcovenantchurch.ca. We look forward to you joining us next time as we continue to live victoriously.